Ooh, welcome to another episode of the Great White Buffalo Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Mayfield. Ladies and gentlemen, I have been swamped. I've been overwhelmed. And I have not produced very many episodes since our last episode, which I think was in June on my birthday. I, did, I turned 29 and I released an episode with Nathan Dickens. And y'all just blew the episode up. It's like over 300-something downloads, almost 400-something downloads. So y'all have just been huge fans, and I just really appreciate y'all listening and being dedicated to this show. And I want you to know that I'm still dedicated to this podcast. I've redone the studio. It's nice. I love it. We're thinking about getting some Great White Buffalo sweatshirts that y'all could get if you're into the Buffalo sweatshirt game as the fall weather has come upon us. It was pretty chilly this week. But anyways, I just want to say thank you for listening, and thank you for those. I've had four or five people, maybe even like six or seven people, on the Instagram, at the Grow Up Buffalo Instagram page, send me messages of just like, hey, like we miss you, we want to hear episodes, we, we want to hear more content, what's going on, blah, blah, blah. And each time I get one of those messages, it just really encourages me that, wow, like this, this interest of mine, this hobby of mine, of, of just spreading good content, of talking about our hearts, talking about funny stories, and just speaking about life in general, has reached so many people. And so I just want to say thank you for all those kind messages that I've received. And I had this episode today with, with Betsy Frank, who's a musician. She's fantastic. She's beautifully talented in her craft of, of, of singing and songwriting and being a musician. I have her episode. We have one with Nathan and I coming out next week. I'm getting Chris Davis in the studio, who's a youth pastor. He's so good. Uh, I have this, a couple other. I'm getting Raffer Wyndham, who's another musician, local musician, who's fantastic. He's phenomenal. So I got some episodes lined up, and I'm trying to get some more scheduled for this fall. So be ready. The herd is strong here at GWB. We love you, and we appreciate y'all for listening to the podcast. And if you have any uh, things that you want us to talk about or merch that you need or anything at all, just reach us out on the Instagram page. But without further ado, I love you and thank you for listening to the Great Lab Buffalo Podcast. Wandering through the great plains of life, things move fast, sometimes a blur. Don't you let this bumpy road separate you from the herd. When you think the day is done, the sun is getting low. We're all looking for something rare, the great white buffalo, the great white buffalo podcast with Ben Mayfield. <laughs> I say that all the time. Full, full time, any of that stuff. Somebody to just be like, okay, hey, can you, can you um, post a Facebook or an Instagram post for me? Because it's just taken me 45 minutes to figure out how to put the twinkle effect on my face. Because <laughs> I don't know how to do for, it. Well, I mean, I, I do. It just takes a long time. And I probably get interrupted like 25 times while I'm doing it. Well, you know? Like, mama, 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 <laughs> mommy. And you just try to post <laughs> one thing. Uh-huh. It's like when I try to edit a podcast episode, I, it just takes me forever. Uh-huh. I have to like re-listen to it. And I'm trying to cut out like certain ums or certain whatever. And then it's just like, ugh. Oh, I don't envy that either. I've listened to interviews before with me and heard myself say something like, absolutely, 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 25,000 times, and yeah. if I had to edit it. <laughs> no, uh-uh. So when I do the church podcasts, whenever like I ask a question and they like say their answer, I go, absolutely. <laughs> and then I go to like the next like question or whatever. It's like, it's, I'm affirming what they said. <laughs> Great answer. I agree with it. Now let's move on. But I need to come up with a new word because you're right. Because I'll go, absolutely. 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 And it's like, stop saying that. It's so annoying. Oh, gosh. Ooh, welcome to the Great White Buffalo Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Mayfield. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have a, a treat. We have one of a kind. We have an artist. And you may be the first like artist like I've ever interviewed. And so I'm really excited. And we haven't done a podcast. I was telling our guests, I haven't interviewed you yet. I haven't introduced you yet. So you can't say anything. You have to, we're building up the hype right now, okay? She's incredible. And I haven't done an episode in like months. And I was like, I want to get the podcast back rolling. Like, who can I ask? And she was so gracious. She agreed to this. We had to talk to her publicist, her manager, her agent, her husband, her son, her 
you know, great, great, great grandmother had to get all these permissions. And she is in the studio. She's in the Buffalo studio. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Miss Betsy Frank. How are you, Betsy? I'm wonderful, Ben Mayfield. Are you excited to be here? I'm so happy. Super uh, excited. Welcome to the Great White Buffalo podcast, Betsy. I was trying to think about this of how I met you. And you probably don't remember this, but I remember this. Oh, no, I do remember. So let's see how you remember. Oh, gosh. Well, I remember it was a concert at the Crimson Moon. Different memory. Different memory. (laughs) All right. This this is not, I guess, maybe not the first time I met you. Like, met you, met you. This is the first time I ever saw you. Okay. And I went to the, the, it was David Bird, I think it's his name. Jonathan Bird. Jonathan Bird. Mm -hmm. Jonathan Bird. Mm -hmm. Sorry. He's. Love you, Jonathan. Uh, <laughs> and so we were going to go see his concert, and he's a great musician. Fantastic. Uh, and like crushed it. I have one of the songs is on my favorite playlist. It was like Old Johnny Went Fishing mm-hmm. in the Well or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, so good. Oh, Johnny, uh, go fishing in the well. Don, poor Johnny. Poor yes. Johnny. Yep. That's what it is. Poor Johnny. Poor Johnny. And so I go with my buddy Peyton, and I didn't want to go, but he had like an extra ticket. He uh, had no one to go with him. He just kind of bugged me. I was like, fine, I'll go. Well, at the, the venue, Peyton leaves to go talk to somebody else. Billy is not sitting anywhere near me. Uh, Jamie Dunlap is not sitting anywhere near me. I'm just sitting by myself at this venue to a musician that I do not know with people that I don't know. And it's all like the music community. And I see you going around like talking to people, talking to Billy, talking to other people. And I go, who is this person like it's like is she popular? She's is she running for office? Yeah, yeah. Is she, she running for office? Yeah, is she <laughs> Jonathan Bird? Like I don't know what, who she is. And I remember that just distinctly because I was like, oh my gosh! And like you were like laughing and joking and all this. I was like, well, she didn't come say hey to me. And then like whenever I met you like in person, like you know, hey, this you know, Ben, this is Betsy. I was like, I know her from Crimson Moon. There you go. Okay, we. My memory is the is a bonfire over at Billy and Ursula's house. And we were sitting around a bonfire. She had a lot of girlfriends in town. (gasps) And you came up to me. You sat down. And here I am, pretty new to town. Mm -hmm. And you sat down and you were like, so, tell me about yourself. (laughs) That was like the first (laughs) question. But it wasn't like just to me. It was around the bonfire in front of everyone. And I was like, I... What? All right. Wasn't ready for that. Was it? <laughs> I mean, what do I say? It's got to be witty. It's got to be, it's got to be, you know, succinct. You know, what is it? And I think I just kind of let it pause so long that maybe I didn't have to answer. <laughs> <laughs> so that was when our, like, all of our Texas friends were over. I remember that. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So I've always been a podcast host. You know? right, right. Tell me more about yourself. <laughs> I love that, like, because you know when you work in an industry like youth development, or, or you like do a lot, you do a lot of team building, you get to know people, so you just have to go like, don't ask yes or no questions, ask open ended questions, and people are, sometimes are not ready for that. Right. Like, tell me your deepest darkest secrets, and how can we heal from that? Right. Uh, right. What? <laughs> like, right. like what? No, I don't want to talk about. It. It's like, all right, well, you're lost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could have helped you through all of this. <laughs> Childhood dramas, everything. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Well, so as I mentioned earlier, you're an artist, Mm -hmm. right? And you're a musician. I don't know if musicians call themselves artists or if they call themselves more musicians, but I don't know the correct lingo. Creative. Creative, creative, uh, an artist. uh, Yep. So with, with that, everybody, I feel like, has their passions. You know, whatever it may be, my passion's podcasting or, you know, it's, po- uh, it's, it's fishing or it's hunting or it's, you know, I know Robbie Nunley listens to this and she does the uh, the CrossFit. You know, that's her passion. But your passion is music. And so I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit how how did you get into music? How did that become your passion? What is the, the origin story of Betsy and music? I don't think I had a moment Um that it that it began as a is I think it was just there I think it was always innately there I don't um, I remember singing when I was little and um, it wasn't something I ever really thought about it was not it was my grandmother used to ask me to sing for people and it was like she was surprised uh, you know proud but it was I guess maybe it made me love it more because when people took notice of what I was doing when I was really little, like four or five, um, I would sing Amazing Grace at church or um, at a family reunion or something. And when adults would gather around and go, listen to her, listen to her, I was like, oh, well, 
it, it, they like it, you know, but it wasn't anything that I thought of. Let me try to do this. It was just there. It was just something I enjoyed. It was the closest. It was, it was just a natural, it was like a breathing. Did you, did your grandmother also sing like in the choir or stuff like that? Nobody, nobody really sings. My, my, my father, my late father, um, was really into music, really into singer songwriters, really into, um, you know, the guitar, but he wasn't really accomplished at any of it. He just got it. He mm-hmm. understood it. He loved it. So I feel like my my affinity for music may have been um, more inspired and maybe shaped a little bit more from my father. But nobody really, nobody really has any kind of, um, yeah, that I know of. Right. Yeah. Any did kind you, of like in high school or college, did you do like choir or do anything to kind of hone that music, or is it still just like? You just did it yourself? No. So, yes. So, musical theater was my big, big oh, thing. Oh, okay. I loved right. musical theater. Do Oklahoma, something like that? All of those. Yes, 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 yes. Even my son knows all of these songs because, yeah, that's our, like, road driving stuff. Um, when I was little, I guess maybe sixth grade, um, I auditioned for Annie in a, in a little theater play that was about an hour away from where we lived and um, got in that and was like, this is... I mean, it was not something I ever really even thought about, though. They just they told my parents that there was an audition in a town that I used to live in, South Boston, Virginia. Um, And we had moved to Martinsville. And so we um, we saw some people, mutual friends in a restaurant and they said, we're having auditions for Annie. Um, Is that something you think Betsy would like to do? So I must have been singing in some way for them to be able to know that that was something I would be interested in. And I remember Mm -hmm. going to the bathroom and being like, maybe far away and like singing it in the bathroom and being like, yeah, I'm Annie. Like before I even went to the audition, remembered. And then went there and I am crushing they it right crushed, now. I crushed the audition. And I just remember standing, get ready to go on stage. I mean, like, this is, I mean, I love this. Like there was no, there's no nervousness. There were no butterflies. It was just time to go. You know, it was good. It was really, yeah, it was probably the most comfortable I've ever been in my, in my shoes in the music business. It's all been, you know, awkward, and and uncertain from then. <laughs> so so let me ask you this because I was going to ask you, you know how did you morph into performing like you know you know playing guitar and singing and songwriting? What made you go more towards that versus musical theater? Like, did you go to like you know do plays or do Broadway or do things like that? Broadway still dream, still oh, really, okay. still yeah, still dream. It, in fact, that was one of my biggest um, disappointments with the with the pandemic when they shut down Broadway. I was like, no. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess when I was, when I was really, really little, the very first thing I ever remember doing performance wise was leaving my grandmother. We were sitting, um, in church in a service and I think it was in the middle of a sermon. I don't even think it was an appropriate time. And I, my grandmother was holding my hand and I got her to, I wiggled out of her hand and I ran down to the piano and I played a bunch of gibberish. It was nothing. It was, you know, I was five and just banged on it. And then I got up and I stood up and bowed and then ran back and sat down with her. So it was like a, it was like a, I enjoyed performing for people, but was not really, you know, it was just something that it was, um, I don't know it, anything that I could do to be in front of people. So it was natural to go into musical theater because that was really the only avenue there was growing up. Yeah. And did you like the acting aspect of it as well? I did. I really enjoyed that part. I think it was just a natural progression to go into singing with guitar and piano and, and whatnot, just because it was not as readily available. I uh, went to school in um, Spartanburg, South Carolina, and I was a vocal performance major for a good bit of it. Um, but I think I just kind of, something hit me and made me think, you know, I'm not going to do Italian arias. I'm going to do lazy rock and roll and it's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to, you know, I don't need to be doing this right now. And I didn't really like the plays they were doing. A lot of them were more drama and not the musical theater. Uh, yeah. So it just, it didn't hold my attention. So um, I joined a band in college and that just kind of took me down a different path. So when you joined that band, did you at this point already know how to play guitar? I, did, I started when I was 14, okay. uh, playing guitar, yes. And, and I'd played piano, I guess, probably from six or seven. I'd which just, one was more difficult, out of curiosity? Uh, well, I still don't really know how to play piano. Piano is more oh. of a thing where um, I'd, 
I relate the music scale to the piano. So when I'm trying to figure out how to figure out chords on the guitar, I see the keyboard. And I, mm. you know, when you capo something, you move it up. Yeah. I count it up on a keyboard in my head just to figure out what note that's going to be. So I don't know. I'd be interested to know how that made sense in my head if I had started with guitar. But piano, um, you know, I can't sit down and and play, you know, a, a Beethoven piece from reading it anymore because it's kind of like Spanish. If you don't practice reading uh, music, yeah, the yeah. key signatures, they just go. Um, so while I've studied that a lot in my life, I didn't really have to focus on that in adult music life just because I'm singer and basic chord writer and I've always depended on other people to do all of the very intense keyboard and guitar parts. Can, can you hear stuff and like play it? Yes, and if I can't hear it, then I tell somebody that can play it if I can't figure out what that is. Okay, because yes. one of my friends, shout out to Jake Riggs, he's been on the podcast. He, I don't want to misspeak, but I think he can't read music, but he can hear it and then play it. Right. Like, like that. I don't know if that's a yes. lot of people can do that. By ear, yes, by ear. play by ear. Um, so that's more of my style with piano. I can hear it, play it on there, but it's not... Um, it's not one of those just, uh, I always wanted to be like honky tonk player, you know, mm -hmm. be able to just kind of bang on it and not really think about or just, you know, old spirituals and whatnot. I never have been able, I, I have computer programmed brain of like, you know, old classical songs, but it's not because I'm sitting down and reading the key signature. I could, I could figure it out if I spent enough time with it, but I've never really felt like that was a good use of my time. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Now with the, with the guitar... You can I go real southern there, southern rock band guitar. Could you you can read music and just like go crazy with it and just start strumming like crazy? Yes, okay. yes, yes. I awesome. sit down and do that, and you know, and you know, can chart things out and whatnot else. But that's the same thing. It's I've always been one of those, you know, put your aces in your places people. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit there and try to do all of the instruments when I can use my talents for writing the song and coming up with, <clears throat> you know, the melody and, you know, singing it out loud and proud and having, you know, all of these other amazing musicians join in. Um, and then sometimes it's really not even necessary to put any instrument. Now, vocals are my instrument. So everything else has really just been secondary. That's true. Yeah. The vocal is an instrument. Right. Absolutely. When you're in college and you start joining, I guess you said a rock band? Grateful Dead cover band and original music. We had both. We were called <laughs> Muse before there was Muse. Yes. Okay. Yes, we were the first Muse. That's okay. They stole That's awesome. that name. <laughs> when when, uh, when do, do you remember the first time you performed with that band? Yes. Yes. Um, well, I joined them. At a, I used to go watch them. So I guess I was one of those people. I okay. was drawn to them. They were really good friends of mine. Um, and they were just... Just, yeah, like some of my dearest, dearest, dearest friends for, for life, still in touch with them all of the time. Um, and I was just hanging out at one of their practices, listening to them play, just soaking it up. And um, they started playing Dancing in the Streets. Um, and they were like, get up here. Get up here and sing this one. I'm like, really? <laughs> you know, one of those look behind yourself. Me? Who? Me? <laughs> no. Me? No. What? I couldn't. I mean, I, okay. Yes, I okay. can. All right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Key of E. Right. <laughs> Calling the stops and the solos. Yeah. I um, jumped up and yeah, I, th I don't remember not being a part of the band past that point. So I definitely remember that was a good moment. Now, when did you, because... I think there's a lot of experience. I was re uh, listening to Malcolm Gladwell, and he talks about, you know, 10,000 hours of practicing to become like an expert in that craft. And he talked about the Beatles and how much they practiced before they, you know, launched off. Where do you feel like, you know, becoming a performer? I know you had the musical theater background, which I think helped vocally and maybe some confidence in front mm -hmm. of people. But I feel like there's a different energy, like from like a musical theater like on stage energy than versus like performing as Betsy. Like yes. you're not a character. You're not Annie. You're not, you know, whoever, like you're Betsy. Like when did that, like, did you like have, did you practice that? Or is that something that, you know, the first time you went out there was just natural and you just crushed it? Or do you feel like you've gotten better <sighs> as time? I hope I've gotten better. Yeah. Cause that is not, um, I think, it, I mean, it's still going. It's mm -hmm. the, it changes all. It changes and morphs into something cooler every time I play. Um, but no, I was not a good guitar player at all. And I remember I had a boyfriend who kind of acted like I wasn't good on the guitar, so it made Ooh. me even more driven to 
you know, be like, whatever, I'm totally doing it. Like he put stickers on my guitar, like try to kind of take it over. And he was, he was not a good boyfriend. Um, <laughs> he has a, he was not, not good. He was not good. No, but he was like, he didn't enjoy the fact that I was trying to play. And I think because of that, I just kind of convinced myself that, um, cause I always could sing, but to sit there and play with a guitar, uh, was a bigger challenge. And I had moved to Charleston, South Carolina when I started doing stuff actually just on the guitar myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I quickly learned that it helped the energy to get better people to sit around with me, to back me up. Um, but it was just me basically believing it that made it come to fruition. Cause it's like, well, you know, she's, she could sing, she's not really that good on guitar, but she could, she could sing, we'll give her, you know, and then through experience, I would love to look back and think that I was more of like the Chris Thiele sitting, practicing Beethoven for at a minimum three hours a day. That's huge. And if I had that, I've always wished that I had that. Um, I've just always been too interested in too many things. And I've, I'm scattered all the time amongst different crowds and, you know, friends and responsibilities that it's never really been a thing where I've been able to cut out that time and be like, nope, nobody else is, is going to get in this bubble. Mm-hmm. I'm practicing. Um, I've been too too interested in the world. So When you were learning to, to play the guitar, did you do like, uh, like, was the songwriting aspect of like, like I want to write and start learning to play my own songs, or were you practicing like a certain musician's songs or covers in Charleston because that's a bunch of tourists and that's what they want to hear. And oh, I didn't true. realize I didn't like that really for for a while. Um, I lived there and um, enjoyed just being out and playing. So I didn't really music scene in Charleston. There's a great music scene in Charleston. Um, back when I was there, um, it was, you know, there were a lot of people coming up that are now, um, really awesome. Like band of horses comes from there. Um, and, uh, Carrie and Hurst with shovels and Mm -hmm. rope, like she was, you know, singing covers around the same time that I was like, it was, we were all kind of figuring that part out. And I remember just being like, I can't sing. I know you rider. Or um, Bobby McGee, one more time. I've got to get out of here. And I and I moved to North Carolina, to the mountains, and just sat with my guitar and kind of taught myself how to write because I, I realized very clearly that I was not fulfilled by that. So so you were doing covers and you were feeling like okay, like for a while it was like all right, whatever. Like I just like the performance aspect. I just of am it. excited to be here. Yeah. yeah. How did you even break into the scene of like getting? Because I feel like you know if it is a music scene, there's probably a lot of people wanting to get those time slots to perform or was it kind of like you just showed up and said hey can I perform I think it's just I mean I think that's my biggest life lesson with music and it happens all the time it's when I believe that it's you know worthwhile and then I do it then you know if I believe it that that's really half the battle in in life you know if you believe it then it is it's always just kind of coming to my path it's never been really too much of a struggle. Now, I mean, there's, I think that figuring out what you want from a situation has been the biggest thing where I've been trying to hone that because I have Mm -hmm. always just enjoyed being in the, you know, in the situation where I'm playing and, you know, sharing and music with other people that it's never been something where, um, but I've been real particular about what I wanted out of it, what I wanted, what my end game was. I've just enjoyed playing. And the more I played, the more experience I had, and the more it made sense to me and everybody around me just for, you know, just shows to come up. It was a kind of like a magnetic thing where people, you know, bandmates and other people that wanted to bounce off and create artistic, you know, stuff. It was just a, it's never really been, when I moved to Athens is really, I guess, where that became a a thing because I made an album and was like, here, Mm -hmm. here's my album. Listen to this. When can I play? Here's my album. You know, kind of right. unapologetically going into every bar that I could go into. Here, listen to this. Well, I think that's encouraging for just anybody who's listening. You know, maybe they're not in the music scene, but just when you feel like you have a passion and a purpose, like don't let things get you sidetracked. Don't let things kind of knock you off. Like, And there's always haters out there. There's always the world throws a lot at you. But just be consistently of like, this is where I want to go. 
and I'm going to keep following my passion and my dream. And it sounds like for you, you know, you just mentioned, you know, musical theater, and then you go into Charleston, and then you go to North Carolina to really learn how to do some songwriting with guitar, and then you're going to Athens. And no matter what season of life you're in, the passion was still the same. Yes. You know, and it's the music. And I think for anybody who's listening, no matter what it is, you just need to be know what your heart's about and to stay consistently pursuing that. Yes. And not get cerebral about it because your brain will come up with all of the reasons why you should not. But if you mm-hmm. are quiet enough to hear what it is that your gut's telling you, which is your life purpose, it's why you're here, then you you go after that no matter what. And some people I think have different trajectories than others. Um, that's a dip. That's a, uh, it's always a, a thing where I'm trying to figure out if I'm doing exactly what it is that I'm supposed to be doing, because, um, especially in the last, you know, two years, it's been something where I haven't been able to do any of the stuff that I usually do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had to learn to be okay with creating in other ways without having to need the audience and need the energy from people to validate what it was I was doing, which was a necessary life lesson, I suppose, but um, not something I would have chosen, maybe. I never right. would have picked it had somebody said, do you want to sit at home for the next year and a half and not be able to play <laughs> anywhere? Yeah, definitely not my top three options. <laughs> I, I just want to, you know, feel useless. Uh, I think I think it's one of the, the, the wicked forces out there is the word of comparison Mm because I think people who compare themselves to other people, that it's toxic, that it just brings you down. You are you. Your path is your path. Your life is your life. Your experience is your experience. And that's like social media. I see a lot, you know, I'm a youth minister, and so I see a lot of my my youth kids, but even adults do it too. It's just like, oh, that person has this. Oh, that person got that. Oh, Oh, that person achieved this. And it's like, oh, what am I doing in my life? It's like, it's different. Yes. And that's okay. Yes. It's beautifully. It's beautifully yours. Yes. You know? And I think, you know, probably in the music scene, but in a lot of different scenes, comparison can really be toxic of like, well, they got this. and. And I just think that's that's dangerous. It is. It's really dangerous. And it's also something that is, it doesn't really, it takes you completely off your path of doing what it is because Mm -hmm. that's, I mean, in music, it's one of the hardest just because you're, you hear what you're supposed to do. You even hear what you're supposed to like, you know, it's like, I've heard so many people ask people what they listened to as they were growing up because, and they've said things that may not even be the total, like exactly what it is that they'd listen to, but mm-hmm. they've learned maybe, maybe they're not even intentionally telling a story, but it's like you learn what you're, what, what's, what's good. What's production supposed to sound like? What's, you know, who, who in, in old school musicians, you know, formed the coolest, you know, sounding people, you know, who, who would make me sound good if I said, you know, there's a lot of, oh, let me tell yeah, you what you're you. supposed to, to be into. Um, and, you know, I've thought about it a lot in in my life, just having people ask me like who who influenced me, and I and I had to really kind of pick that apart because I realized that there were things implanted, things that I just kind of you know came up with based on what it was that I felt like I was supposed to, and I had to go back through that and be like, that's not really it. It's not right. really all like John Lee Hooker. It's more like Neil Sedaka and Barbara Streisand. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, and be okay with that because yeah. like. You know, you might it's say, cool. you know, Robert uh, Seistrand, but like, okay, well, that's not the vibe of music that right. you're playing now, so that's kind of weird. And it's right. like, oh, then let me say, you know, a more popular sure. musician that is more trendy or whatever it is. Right, right. Uh, but one of the things I'm interested in with you, and I, I've, I've talked to our friend Billy about this because he said he used to teach a class or still teach a class, and that's songwriting. Now, before you get to Athens, I'm getting the timeline right. You went to Athens, you had an album or made an album, but you said you're in North Carolina honing the craft of songwriting. And I think that's super underappreciated. I, uh, Dr. Bo Riles, 4-H guy, he was telling me, I don't know if you ever heard of Jennifer Nettles. She yes. is the lead singer of Sugarland. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to Sugarland. But she's a big 4-H'er. Uh, oh, really? So, nice. Yeah, and Georgia 4-H too, so like local. Uh, and so she's awesome, wonderful, does a lot for 4-H, a lot for Georgia. And I got to meet her, and she's super nice. And she, you know, is like probably the most famous, you know, you know, up there. Like her face is everywhere. But Dr. Bo was telling us 
but she's definitely not the most like richest, you right. know, famous person. And we're like, well, who is? And he said a lady named Hillary Lindsay. And Hillary Lindsay, who has multiple Grammys, you can Google her right now. Mm-hmm, she wrote Jesus that. Take the Wheel. She yes. wrote This One's for the Girls from Martina McBride. Um, you know, Carrie Underwood. She wrote like uh, a couple songs for Lady Annabellum or Lady A now. Right? Like, she's just she's a songwriter. Mm-hmm. And he says songwriting's where it's at. And so I've always been fascinated of like, do you do you write songs that are just from your own heart, your own experience, or do you try to write songs that are cast a wider net? Like, do you try to write songs that are just more bops? Like, you know, oh, people like this. It sounds, you know, it's got a good hook on it. Right. Like, how do you do songwriting? Or what was that process like? Well, it's that is something that's morphed my whole life, too. So I, I guess the, I started with um, all my life I've written in journals. And so I've always, I guess, for better or for worse, taken myself seriously enough to think that what it was that I was writing down was important enough to save for a possible song ever since I was, you know, very, very little, I Mm -hmm. would write things and I would sing them. I would write my own words to songs that were already, you know, um, like I would read a a piano book and read the, the lyrics and make up my own tune because I couldn't read music yet. So it was, I've always just been into words. Um, and then I would write on, you know, before we had phones where we could record, our voices, I would write on receipts and bills. I would always get mad if somebody would clean my car because if they, I would, you're throwing away a hot hit. Don't do that. Um, and so it, you know, then it got to a point where I realized that a lot of those things were not necessarily um, a song. And I wanted to teach um, myself to, to say something that, you know, had kind of a, kind of like, I guess, an outline, like if you were writing a story. And so that's kind of how I began doing it and also just not thinking about it too much because that um is really i guess where people are their worst enemy um oh they overanalyze type thing overanalyze and so that was i don't really remember doing um doing anything to write a lot of the first songs like there was there was not a particular process i just wrote a bunch of songs that were pretty natural pretty easy to write um and you know i feel like since I began, I guess maybe I've done five albums now since I began. I think that my writing is more intentional. Back then it was more just kind of coming through me in a way. I don't really it's, know it's if like I It's like matured and morphed yes. as you've matured and morphed as yes. an artist. Yes. Um, yeah. And so some songs it's like, wow, I didn't even know what I was writing when I wrote that. But that means this to me now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's become a joke where sometimes I write things that end up coming true and I'll be like, why did I write that song about being 35 and broke and just gotten dumped, you know? And then literally it happened. So there have been a lot of <laughs> really weird things with songwriting. But then I got to the point where I kind of felt like I had more of a hold on um, not just writing about somebody I was mad at or somebody that hurt my feelings or just me and started to think about, you know, listening to people like Bob Dylan and thinking, you know, look at him writing this song about, you know, the hurricane. Like, this is huge. He's putting himself in this other person's shoes. He's having radical empathy and going, wow, you know, let's, let's think about how this would feel. And that was just mind blowing to me. Um, and so once I started doing all of those different things, I started teaching workshops and um, really learning more about my own process, which I had never really thought that much about mm-hmm. by teaching other people, which was just awesome, which probably happens to you as you, you know, when you do yeah. all the different teachings that you do. So it's, um, it was really kind of a cool experience to start doing those. And when I moved to Dahlonega after trying to write those, you know, how you were saying, do you just try to write the bop hits or whatever? That was uh, four years in Nashville that I tried to do that because I thought this is so easy oh, you for me. In Nashville too. So we, oh, wow. that's where we came from after Athens. Yes. Okay. So um, we went to Nashville so I could do that and stay home with my brand new baby boy and write songs, and it didn't go as well for me because I didn't enjoy the four songs a day, um, and then going home and being like, what? What just happened to me? like I was in a tornado all day and I, I'm not even sure I like any of the material that we produced so that was a different I had to try it I had to see but it was not really you had to scratch that scratch yeah man. I had to scratch that scratch yeah if you give me a if you say I have a, a song that I want you to write about this and here is what happens and this is I had somebody ask me to do um, a soundtrack for a movie and they bought a bunch of songs that I already had recorded and then they said here's the story write the closing 
the closing song. And so knowing the story, I took all of the little tidbits and wrote the song. And that was super awesome and easy because they told me the story to write. But as far as just coming up with something that's a, that's a hook, it, it, that hook can't, it's too contrived for me to go sit with two or three people that I don't really know and be like, okay, hey, what's up? Yeah, how you doing? Great. You went to that coffee shop this morning? Great. Okay, let's sit down. You know, and you sit right. there and you come out with something. It's that didn't suit me. Now I know a lot of people that are really great at it, and I guarantee you that Hillary Lindsay is an amazing, like that's an aficionado right. at that type of thing. There's some people that are really great. It didn't suit me. So when I came to Jalanaga, I tried to base um, this song salon thing that they were really nice at the Crimson Moon to let me do um, every other Tuesday there. Um, before the pandemic and we would, I would meet and, and just invite anybody to come and I would have a guitar and I'd say, just sing, you know, play your words, play the guitar. If you want me to play the guitar with you, if you want keyboard, or if you just want to, you know, play some tunes and we'll make up words just to get everybody kind of flowing with it. Mm -hmm. Because I realized that that's really kind of all songwriting is, is just getting your brain to allow you to just run with something and not really harsh it not think anything bad about it just like say your feelings and then you can turn it all into a song it's kind of kind of a fun thing we're not doing that right now but right. hopefully we'll get back to it cuz um yeah a lot of people i think are finding some creativity through that that maybe they were uh, afraid to have or mm -hmm. you know did you ever do you ever have a tune then write lyrics to it or do you always have lyrics and then write tunes all different ways all, all different, different ways, ways. Mm -hmm. Okay, I didn't know if you ever like wake up like da, 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 like oh that'd be really cool, like you know melody or whatever. Yeah, and then go or right, what song, what words could I put to that? Or yes, it, it's all different ones. It's like sometimes I'll say something in just sentence form, talking to somebody, and go oh I gotta write that down, and I'll take little tidbits like that and put them together, or I'll hear sometimes a whole symphony of of um, instruments, and then think let's I gotta turn that into a song, you know, or I'll hear. Um, words and um and go scratch down the words and then come up with a melody that it's never one particular way for me Man, that's awesome I, and it's cool that it doesn't have to be in one certain way because it's like you know music i just feel like it just it touches the soul in so many ways and there's so many different genres of music you know classical folklore you know worship music there's rock and roll there's hip-hop there's whatever it may be country music and so I just love, I just love music. And I think every person has a relationship with music. Yes. Because even if it's a different genre, it's still music and it's still relationships. So I think it's like that universal language. It and is. so I love it. Um, but let me ask you this, because the Great White Buffalo podcast, we love getting introspective. We love going deep and having some great conversations. And I'm feeling really awesome about this. I'm learning a lot about you you know, from your, your roots of musical theater, which I will never let that down. Um, <laughs> and then going into, you know, your songwriting, you try to go to Nashville, not really your thing, but you were pretty successful in Athens, it sounds like. At least you made a lot of networking and connections there. But what is a difficult moment or a life lesson that you had to experience that was maybe it was tough, it was a rejection, or maybe it was a, a family thing that kind of mixed in with your personal, you know, or your professional life. Because everybody who lives life has dark times. We have storms. We have times where we feel defeated. And I always love asking that, especially with someone who's lived a lot of life, because you learn something. You know, diamonds come out of pressure. You know, we come out of these things brighter and hopefully better um, but it, it's incredible to hear someone's experience so we can apply it to our lives. And I was just thought, I have you in here. I got to ask you, was there a moment that was just really challenging throughout your career? I'm sure you had a couple moments, but. Yeah, more than a couple. And I think they keep happening. Um, I, you know, I, I don't really remember anything in particular that was so life-changing that it was the one thing that stood out above and beyond everything mm -hmm. else. I remember defeat um, and feeling like like doing badly at an audition when I was really little and learning to sing it a cappella because I didn't need anybody 
playing behind me. I played like a, one of those like tapes behind me where somebody was already singing. And then I sang on top of it. And I remember yeah. the feeling that I had when the woman, you know, from New York had, you know, came and looked at me and was like, don't ever sing with the music behind you. So I remember that kind of feeling and it changing the way that I, you know, depended on other people to help me get what it is that I wanted. But I don't think, I mean, it's full. I go through, I'm such a creative and I'm so, I'm so into accepting the fact that I have such a roller coaster of emotions on a daily basis. You know, I, I don't really, um, I feel like I have those all the time. I mean, having a child was a huge one to me mm-hmm. where I had to put in perspective what music was to me and what my intention and love for him would produce within my music and then how much I was willing to separate myself from my music to give to him. So that was a huge change changer, like game changer. Right. Yeah. Um, just because it made me kind of separate from caring about like what we alluded to earlier with the comparisons and whatnot. It was right. much more of an organic thing after having my son and understanding that, you know, that music was a, a was God's gift to me and it was mine it was my responsibility to give that back to the world, no matter what came from it. So like that was a huge life changer, but there's so many different things that have happened, um, that have happened in life to make me do life differently that I think really what has changed is I just try to be a little bit more quick in learning my lesson from it rather than, um, having to learn it over and over again. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff, you know, and, 45 years of life. I just turned 45 this year. So it's like, that's a, thank you. Thank you. Um, that's a lot of, there's been a lot of stuff and I've tried to take it and write about it and, you know, walk through it, lean into it and feel it so that I can hopefully, you know, restate it in, in a way through song that somebody else will, you know, feel heard as well. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, there's a lot of healing in music. Yes. Um, and there's a lot of uh, putting your heart out there. And, and what's cool about music is I feel like, you know, the artist who's putting themselves into the music can process. Maybe it's a way to process your feelings by writing songs, writing the, the melody and the tunes or whatever it may be, the notes. <clears throat> but I also feel like we as the, the audience also can heal through relating to music. You know, I, I could think of several songs throughout my life that hit home in a different way. Um, particularly now where I am working at a church, worship music always kind of hits home, you know, because it's like, yes. Um, but even out like secular music, there's, you know, I have two Muffin and Son albums over here. And one of the songs that I love is called Where Are You Now? And, and we were just talking about this off mic and how that song is one of my favorite songs, but... Um, it was through a breakup and there's a line in the songs like, do you ever think of me in the quiet and in the crowd? And I just like, I just like, like thinking about that song. I think that might be, uh, what that, mm-hmm. I have a painting in here or writing in here that has that lyric in there, but it helped me get through there, like through that thing of like, you know, is this person, this breakup? And then, you know, I grow from it. And now that song, it was cool. It's great. It definitely has a sentimental but I'm past that phase of life, and now a new song will probably relate to me. And so I think your music probably has progressed like that as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that, that made sense. And it, well, it's, and it's too, it reminds you of times of your life, so that's what's cool about it too, is even if you're not in that spot, you can remember exactly where you were when you listened to, mm. you know, Bon Jovi's new album. That, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like it reminds yeah. you of, 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 of the feeling that you had when you were whatever age or going through whatever hurt or whatever joy. And that's, it is, it is universal. It's something, we should have more of it in school. We should have three hours of music a day just so yeah. kids can get those things out because um, everybody has... Has the, 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 I, just, the, I was thinking, I just, I was also thinking too, like my freshman year of high school, we had a computer at a computer class and there was only nine songs on the iTunes thing. And this is before you could like had Spotify and all the stuff. Right. And so the only nine songs and seven of the nine songs were Adler Levine. And so if I ever want to listen to music, it was Agra Levine. <laughs> and I did. And so like I listened to it and I like, yeah, you go girl, like you punk like punk girl, you know, rock, whatever. It's her earlier album. 
And so it was not, not too long ago, someone was playing it. I think we had like a youth event and they like played some Agatha Levine song like, why you gotta be so complicated? And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm a freshman <laughs> in high school again. Like, like no, all my feels are coming back. Uh, so it's like associated with that time yes. frame of my life. I love it. Yes. Um, well, one of the things I, I, I saw on Facebook before, when I had Facebook, I've now deleted my social medias. I still had the Great White Buffalo podcast Instagram, but Ben Mayfield's off the air. Uh, gotcha. But I saw that you just released an album or a single, releasing singles. Um, okay, singles. So tell me what yes. that. Tell me the difference, and tell me what the what this is. Well, you know, I don't really even know what the difference is anymore. I know that okay. there is a way that there is that that people that have those, um, like we were talking about earlier, those, those full-time producers and, and whatnot uh, else, yeah. um, you know, that, that you do things. But I have really just kind of moved away from doing anything like I'm supposed to do it because it's too much for me to keep up with how people are supposed to do things. So basically this is just because I didn't sit down and make an album with a band and then release it because that's usually what happens. You sit down, okay. you record all these songs in a, in a week's time, and then you get it mastered and you send it out, you know? Um, this has been a long process because at Nashville, like I said, for me, it was about songwriting, not about going there with my band that I had played with for years. And, you know, I didn't really try to get up in the mix there because I was trying to focus on how, how do I, how do I raise this baby? You know, how do I keep this baby alive? How do I, you know, how about right. new marriage and all of this um, amazing things, all these amazing things I was going through. It was not about um, going and, in with this band that I always played with and us coming up with something to tour behind, which has been a huge thing for me in music because that's what you do. You, you make an album and then you tour. So not touring behind it kind of made me not want to release things, you know? And so then finally I got over that hump and figured oh, like, out. Like, like if you made an album, but you couldn't tour, then why make an album? Right. I, oh, would, okay, right. Okay. Yeah, I toured yeah. for maybe three weeks. As soon as I went to Nashville, I signed up with a new management company and, um, you know, toured for three, three weeks and come home and go away for two weeks. And I thought, this is not, this is not really getting me the feeling and I'm missing my sweet little boy. And you know, this isn't mm -hmm. it. So, um, I recorded finally before I left, right before I left Nashville, I got the wonderful opportunity to go into Southern ground. Um, Zach Brown's studio, I believe he sold it since, but, um, okay. I got to go in there. My husband worked for, for them and, um, he, became really good friends with everybody there. And they, you know, ended up figuring out a way for him to, he actually like worked off my studio time. So it was like a really cool and amazing thing my husband did for me and got me in there. And this amazing guy, Brandon Bell, um, called up just these amazing heavy hitters that just blew me away. And I had never practiced or played with anybody that I had not met and you know, we knew something about each other. These right. guys just came in. They hadn't even listened to my music that I very, <laughs> you know, specifically procured for them to hear and like stories and lyrics and stuff. They, they were like, whatever. No, we didn't listen to anything. Sat down, <laughs> nailed it, crushed it. <laughs> it's like, all right. Well. Yes. And then, you know, we moved here and I was like, okay, well, um, what am, what am I doing here? I'm going to sink into this new town. I'm going to get to know everybody. I don't really have time to tour right this second. I don't really have my band. Like, it just kind of didn't suit. So I've been playing shows, but it didn't really still make sense to master and send out um, without really any end game, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so finally, I just kind of, I don't know. I think I saw an Instagram post that said, I want to create beautiful things, even if nobody cares. And I was like, yeah, what am I doing? And um, I had some, this really good friend, bass player, Chris Inghauser, a friend of mine from Athens, said, you have so many songs. Like, what are you doing? Just sitting on them. I'm like, well, I'm not touring. He said, just do it anyway. Yeah. Send it, put them out into the ether. So I've just gotten this new. Are you on spot? Are you on Spotify? All of the, all of the ones. Yes. I always send people to my website because okay. the website goes straight to me. Like if you're going to buy something, it goes oh, okay. straight to me. Spotify gives you, you know, I mean, it's awesome to Spotify, Apple, to Apple, TikTok. It's on all of the things, but they don't give you really any money. It's more mm. for exposure. Um, but you know, that is, uh, yeah, I just, I'm trying to release a song every, I'm starting again with another one on October 1st and I'm going to try to release one like every other week, a song, just a song every other week. Cause I have so many that I'm right. just sitting on. So that particular EP was four songs. Knocked it out. And now what I'm just, EP? what does that stand for? It's just that, I mean, hey. is it just like a short, 
Like I wish, I a don't collection know. of songs? It's a short collection, yeah. Okay. Instead of an LP, instead of a, yeah. I mean, okay. yeah. I guess so it's a small number of songs. And I've never released singles in my life. I've always right. released albums. And so this one I just am doing. Because like, what's on an album? About 10 songs? I think over seven. Over it's an seven. Album. Okay. Yes. And so, so yeah. At Southern Ground, before you left Nashville, did you make multiple songs or just like. Just did those four. And I had a videographer come in and do pictures and video and oh. made my first video that I'd you, ever made. You have a music video? I do. What? I do. Oh my God. And then Celebrity I just figured, status. Then I just figured out how to upload it onto a YouTube channel. <laughs> that was huge. Oh my God. I can't figure out how to get videos of me, which there are tons. On my YouTube channel, because I have to know the person who posted it. I just figured this out the other day. Okay. Um, well, we'll link it so in yeah. our Instagram post yes. so people can go look at it. Yes, I would love that. So those four songs, you've been sitting on them for yes. a while. Yeah, I've been writing them basically throughout the time I was in Nashville. Okay. And so now, but you've been in Dahlonega for... Three and a half, almost four years. Almost four years. And so you're just now releasing those songs. I released one maybe a year ago. Okay. <clears throat> maybe a year and a half ago. And then just sent... They needed some work. Brandon wasn't able to finish. Um, I needed to lay like a B3 organ on mm. one of them. And some of them needed a little bit of... Just a little bit of mixing stuff. And so... I had a good friend of mine at Full Moon Studio in Watkinsville, Georgia, um, do some finishing right touches for Athens. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and he helped me just get them fine-tuned. Nice. And yeah, so now I'm releasing those. And then I have about maybe 12 that I have on a collaboration called Mostly Unrecorded that are songs that I've had, some of them I've had for 15 years and have been playing out live the whole time, but they've never been recorded. Ooh. And then some are brand new that I came up with in the whole um, Crimson Moon Song Saloon because that was... I thought if I'm going to meet all these people and have them come in and write songs, and I better, I better damn sure have a song that's new <laughs> yeah. <mood> today. <laughs> so they're so, like, "Oh, this lady, right, you know, okay, right. right?" So yeah. So with that, like, do you have? This is me just being so naive to the music world, but I'm absolutely fascinated by it. So you have your guitar, you have your lyrics. Do you have someone come do like other drums on your songs, or is it other like? Is there a mandolin player? Is there a banjo like? How do you get other instruments on there? Like, what does that look like? Or is it just you with a guitar? Well, it depends on what kind of what kind of recording. So I have a I have everything recorded, just me and a guitar, mm-hmm. and then I decide kind of what it needs. Oh, so, okay. So sit back and go, huh? You know, this maybe this would sound good with this or this or um, <clears throat> mostly when you play with people that I've been blessed enough to play with, um, I just invite players in that I know that I can trust and then I say do your thing. I never really okay. I never really so tell like, anybody. So like your bass your bass player that's your friend, he listens to the song goes, okay, and then he'll kind of go doom 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 like mm-hmm. like we'll strum a little bit to kind of like get it like and, and it builds it, like it adds to it. It doesn't yes. take away. Everybody can just add their flavor. Basically, wow. I'll write it and I'll sound soulful and you know loud and I'll have my my rhythm guitar in there that's kind of setting the outline for the song and then everybody else just comes in and that's so cool that's awesome and so you just uh so you released a single a year ago but you just released one recently yes and so then you're going to release another one october hopefully yo october 1st october 1st october 1st it's a song called downhearted and that's blues and only child is the one that just came out and that was a that was a song where it kind of goes, it follows the vo- the vocals and the guitar is the mm-hmm. same. And it's like, dun, 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 dun. and that's different than anything I've ever done. So that was lots of fun. And before that was words. Um, that was a, like a kind of a movement of, of sorts, because I think, I think that came from going to Nashville and coming up amongst all of these people with all of the different movements and life right now, you know, over the last five, 10 years, there've been a lot of, you know, just from political to, you know, just all kinds of different things that people have used their stage presence to um, exemplify. And mm-hmm. it really always bothered me that I, that I wasn't getting on stage and saying like, and here's my song and this is what I think about this because that's right. not really my thing. You know, I'm kind right. of a you do you thing and I'll do me and let's everybody let's yeah. everybody love each other. And, you know, we're all good because one love thing. And yeah, so that kind of I think coming out of that, I, I, I wanted to have something that meant a little bit more than just releasing songs. So words was a, a, a work that made me really kind of get behind 
um, the the actual songwriting and the talk about pausing before you say something and how what you put into the universe comes back to you and to think about the the you know what you're creating in the world rather than you know just kind of in a flippant way saying things on social media or whatnot and closing your computer and walking away that we're all affecting one another by what we're doing and so that's kind of what words was mm-hmm. only child was was a little bit lighter downhearted as straight up blues where. There was no thought at all put into that song. <laughs> now, does blues all mean that it's going to be super sad? No, no. Okay, okay. It just is repetitive in a one, four, five form. So, mm. yeah, just okay. straight, straight blues. No, I mean, I'll, I'll make you cry if you could. You know, I don't know. Did you cry when you came to my show, The Crimson? <laughs> no. I usually have people with tears in there. <laughs> I, I, I will. I, will. <laughs> I, I, I cry a lot. That's, that's what uh, we're gonna do next that, time I have is, a show. So. So now that you're you're releasing the singles, and first of all, awesome. I feel that's empowering. I feel like yes. that helps you like send it down the river. Yeah, like like I'm I'm still doing things, but you're also still doing shows. And we were talking about this off air. One of my like closest friends, I call her my cousin, uh, Gracie Grow, who's been on the podcast. Now she's Gracie Kirkendall because she's married to Joshua, who's a lovely man. And so she, you know, works for the University of Georgia full time, but she's still takes a couple of hour shifts at Southern Brewing Company and she's posting like, oh, I'm singing, blah, blah. And I see a picture of you, <laughs> of Bessie. And I'm like, wait, I know Bessie. Like I know, like I like I know her. But then like I'm also like want to text Bessie, like, hey, this Gracie girl, I know her too. And it's like it's like two worlds colliding. Uh, but you still do uh like concerts like i guess you have a huge athens presence so you could probably call up anybody and go do athens but do you do like any local like dahlonega or atlanta or, or athens do you yes. go to dc i don't know like where do you do shows well so um october 23rd i have a crimson moon um here in town um and i do shows in athens quite a bit um but pro- quite a bit more than i do them anywhere else but because yeah i was there mm-hmm. for 12 years still have um people that I, you know, that I'll go back and play in Nashville with whenever I can get back there. Um, but in Atlanta, yeah. I mean, you know, I guess mo- most recently I've been playing with this band named Bloodkin, um, okay. whose lead singer died in May. Oh, and sorry. he, I know, it was a big loss for the for the whole music community. He was, a, they had just come out with one of the best albums uh, that they ever made and they have made tons of albums and I am I've always sung back up with them kind of um, just gotten up and done different shows with them um, they they have just been really instrumental in helping me um, I don't know they just had a lot of really awesome rock and roll moments with these guys they had Bobby Keys from the Rolling Stones do a couple shows with them and I got to get on stage with him and Dang, play some cool. Rolling Stones songs so yeah like they're just they're really phenomenal, phenomenal, like legendary band. They wrote most a lot of what Widespread Panic plays are Bloodkin songs. Um, and so I've been blessed enough to to be asked to go sing with them to kind of fill in some of the spots that um, that Danny Hutchins had in that band. And so we've been going all over the place in places that I haven't gone in a while because I've typically been southeastern, a um, little bit in the north. But yeah, we're going to California in a couple of months Ooh. and going to New Orleans. And you you don't, know. don't go Hollywood on us, though. Don't be like, oh, <sighs> I'm like, kind of like a big deal now. And so, like, Such you're a peasant. <laughs> Great White Buffalo podcast was something I did for charity. Oh you know? Like, oh my gosh, she's going to go Hollywood on us. I can already tell. <laughs> Uh, well, let me ask you this. And we always do nuggets of wisdom. That's how we end the show. Okay. Is uh, it over already? Yeah, it's 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 getting close. This it's is it. Fifty five minutes in our people. I have like a thousand more questions to ask you, but we have to wrap it up. And so and I want to be respectful of your time. But I do have instead of doing nuggets of wisdom, I want to ask you like two questions and you can go as fast as you want or whatever. One I have to ask because everybody wants to know. What are some of the biggest celebrities you've met in the music world? Because I'm sure you've met a lot, living a life in the music scene. And two, where can we see you perform and where can we find you online? You know, because they may listen to this episode after October 23rd or whatever this gets released. So, like, right. how can they stay up to date with you? Okay. So, I guess I'll answer that one first 
because it's that's the last BetsyFrank.com, and it is B E T S Y F R A N C K C K. That's the big okay. That's the big yes loop for you. So that's website and BetsyFrank.com. Yeah, have all of the different um, all of the different shows or ramblings. You know what what not else things like that. Merch. I have um. I've just started doing, um, finally gotten together um, my all of these different events that I'm throwing now called Be Frank Productions, where I raise money Ooh. for philanthropies and kind of tie in music and food together. So there's information about that on there as well. So, well yeah. Music and food? I love food, so <laughs> Everybody. You, you will see me there for yes. sure. Yes. Um, famous people? I don't know. I just thought that would be like hmm. a fun like little yeah. thing. You know, like, I guess you've met Zach Brown. I mean, not even through music stuff, though. No, he's, he's pretty isolated. Um, yeah. I've met him in just like, you know, laid back form just from people who know him. Um, but no, it, you know, it's funny. I'm kind of I'm kind of uh, tainted on this, Ben, because oh, okay. this is. It, <laughs> I, I didn't know oh. this was a controversial question. I'm so sorry. Question. Are you about to say There's I'm the famous person that people meet? <laughs> Like, like you know, yeah, I met Martine McBride, but she actually met no, me. I'm, no, I'm the Betsy Frank. not a narcissist. <laughs> okay, I, promise, I, I promise. I promise. You I'm don't honest. know this, but I have no, like seven just... Grammys and four CMAs. <laughs> so like, Becca bought me back. Hillary, Lindsay, whatever. No, no. Um, I uh, have a lot of people that I've sung with that, uh, that a lot of people in my family have not known. So I'll get really excited and I'll call like my brother up and go, <laughs> Guess what? I'm singing with Billy Joe Shaver tonight, you know, or Ray Wally Hubbard or, you know, I mean, it's not all like, these uh, random things oh, like cool. they might know, like Lucinda Williams, he knew, but it was only vague because we just have different music tastes. Mm-hmm. So my whole life, I've basically been like, I'm so excited. Do you know who like Stubblefield is? And they're like, no. It's like Jonathan Bird, for example. Right. Like Peyton, Billy, you were there. Like all right. these people were there and like, it's Jonathan Bird. Well, I mean, he like, really is. He's like, the best songwriter since Bob Dylan, well, and maybe even better than Bob Dylan. Well, well, look <laughs> I don't know. I don't like. To I, say did, I didn't know. I was like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. y'all are meeting me at a level ten excitement. Yeah. <laughs> I'm at a level two right I'm now. Level two. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Just who this gotta is. get moved. Gotta get moved. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I have a lot of people that um, that I've shared the stage with, mm-hmm. but and and that I've gotten to meet, but I don't think that I've gotten to. You know, I think more. A you know, a question. I would rather I would rather say like in the future I'd like to meet because a Ooh, lot of the yeah because yeah, I mean I have like John Popper that was a really good one that's famous that it, like my brother that's the only right. one out of maybe like twenty five famous people to me right. that's the only one he's like well maybe lots of people but John so Popper. if you could do a concert with anybody who is living and it. who is dead oh oh you just threw a curveball one of each oh okay concert right. and you get to play. They'll play, help you play some of your songs, but you'll also get to play some of their songs. So, like, right this moment, living, if I could get, if I could get Brandy Carlisle, Justin Timberlake, <laughs> Chris Stapleton, and his beautiful bird angel wife, Morgane, all, all together? of us together, all of us together. Beautiful show. All of us Have together. Have you seen Justin yes. Timberlake and uh, Chris Stapleton do that mashup? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh yes, with a Tennessee whiskey. Yes, and I was a... so close. I was so close to him. Like he had to. He he would come into the bar that I used to sing in in Leapers Fork. Chris and, Stapleton. No, well, or Chris Justin. Stapleton's mother uh, lives in Kingston Springs, where Ivy and I left. Or lived right before we left Nashville. Oh, that's cool. So there was all kinds of one degree of separation around yeah. us. But yeah, they were. He would come in the bar in Leapers Fork, this place called Puckett's. And it is amazing. It's like this biker bar and they have amazing musicians and like you just walk to the bar and it's like, hi, I'm, I'm so-and-so. I used to play bass with Boston. You know, it's like just the whole place is chock full of, you know, people that have been in the business and he would walk in every once in a while and I'd always show up like the night after and be like, are you kidding me? He would love me. (laughs) (laughs) If if you need to go Google Chris Stapleton and Justin Timberlake, it's like Tennessee whiskey and um, drink you away. It's a fantastic mashup. Yeah. So that's a living Um, dead BB King and Ray Charles. Yeah, I always meant I'm diabetic, and so type one since I was 14, and I always meant to yes. I I was like, why don't I get to be on a commercial with BB King? Like, I want to talk about my blood testing strip thing. Yeah, he was. I've been to a place where he performed. I don't know if that counts. Yes, where? Uh, Jekyll Island 4H Center, uh, the old school one. Really? 
He didn't perform there when it was a 4-H center. Okay. So, but it used to be, it was the only place between there and I want to say like Miami or Orlando that was a hotel for black people. Like mm-hmm. it was the only like sanctioned, like they, they wouldn't get har- harassed or anything like that. And so this hotel was a beautiful historic hotel, but they also had a music venue like next to it. And so famous people would come, and they would stay there, and they would play. And so it became Hop, and B.B. King played there once. Wow. Uh, and that was kind of like the claim to fame. Uh, but then it, it, it got run down as years went, and 4-H bought it and made it a camp. You know, and so wow. but they had all these little cool history things. Energy's still there. Yeah. That's good. That's, yeah, I sure. saw him in, in Greece. I went to Greece on this high school trip. Like the country? To the country. Oh, wow. Okay. And I was there, at, and we like all sat down, everybody, all these people from my school, we sat down to watch this nighttime light show on top of a mountain in Greece. And all of a sudden, we hear, brow, 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 brow. You know, I'm like, are you kidding? What is it? I feel like, I kind of still feel like it's a dream. Yeah. And he was playing down the hill, this crazy light show on top of a mountain where we were, and then down the hill right beside the Olympic Stadium. It was like, it was nuts. It was crazy. And it, he, we listened to at least an hour. But, you know, after the light show, we went and just sat on a hill and listened to B.B. King play in the middle of Greece. So that might it's be like, the yeah, that's, best That's the story you open up with next yeah, time. Maybe that's I a should fantastic have story. <laughs> yes. I'm in Greece, a beautiful country that not a lot of people have been to. And I'm also listening to B.B. King, one of the, <laughs> if not the greatest blues player. Right. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, it's a great story. Well, Open up with that one next time. Uh, <laughs> it would all have been downhill from there. <laughs> yes, we had to save the best for last. Um, well, Betsy, thank you for coming thank on you. to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Um, and don't forget, BetsyFrank.com. Check it out. That's where you can hear her music. You can get her merch, see her dates, all the latest stuff. She's on social media. Follow her on social media at... Betsy Frank, I'm assuming. It's Facebook. at BF Frank. BF Frank on Instagram. On Instagram. And on Facebook as well. And it's just Betsy Frank just, on, face, on oh, Facebook. Oh, okay, on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And then are those your two socials? Those are the two socials, okay. yes. yes. Awesome. And awesome. if anybody ever wants to throw a B Frank production, if anybody wants to raise money for, for something that they believe in, oh, then yeah. you can. You can uh, and, yeah, get in touch with me through my website about that as well because I would love to bring an experience to your house and um, have bring a musician and I bring the food and yeah. you just bring the people. I, uh, I was blessed with hearing Betsy and Radford play at our friend the Leasing's house. I don't know if you remember that. Like, I guess that was two it. years ago yes. or maybe a year ago. I don't know, but it was, it was a house concert. It was rocking. Y'all yes. are amazing. You're amazing. I and, love playing with him. Um, you're a wonderful person. And so just want to say thank you all for listening to the Great White Buffalo podcast. Make sure you subscribe on Apple. And if you could, please leave us a five-star rating, write a review. I'm going to have this post on social media, so make sure you follow us at the Great White Buffalo podcast on Instagram. Bessie, thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. And thank you for listening to the Great White Buffalo Podcast.